by the end of the year, I ended up spending just as much on AdWords and that agency as I got in revenue. And so I was doing work pretty much for free because any work I was getting, I was giving back to that agency. This is the Dental Marketer Podcast, where we teach you how to effectively market your dental practice. My name is Michael Arias, and my mission is to help you, the practice owner, to grow your practice, attract new patients immediately, and be seen as the go-to dental office in your community. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like your dental practice could be doing more? Or maybe you're feeling stuck with your dental practice. Well, Dr. Thomas Choi felt the exact same way. But after years of mistakes, adjusting things he thought would help but didn't, and making valuable errors, he finally pushed past feeling stuck and skyrocketed. What did he do? Well, he's about to spill everything that helped him skyrocket. He tells us exactly how to zero in on your ideal patient base, how to make your team a well-oiled machine, and how to track your marketing, looking at the right numbers and the right analytics, and not just vanity numbers and the fluff. So he lets us know that. And we got some great insider tips that you won't want to miss. So all that with Dr. Thomas Choi on The Dental Marketer. And real quick, if you're looking for an unparalleled clinical module, a smart scheduling system, and a robust insurance management system, basically all for free, then stay tuned till the end and I'll let you know all about it. But for now, let's get into this episode. Thomas, how's it going? Not too bad, Michael. Thanks. How are you? Doing pretty good. Where in Australia are you located? We're in Sydney. Sunny Sydney. Oh. On the other side of the world to you guys, but just as sunny as LA. Hopefully. Okay, man. That's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Awesome. Thank you for... I don't know what time it is over there, but thank you for being up early. Oh, 9 a.m. So just about to reschedule some of my patients, push them back a little bit and uh, normal work day for me. Nice. Awesome, man. Awesome. So real quick, could you briefly introduce your dental practice and the demographic you primarily serve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the group of practices that I operate and own is called My Local Dentists. We operate five dental clinics here in Sydney. We are generally just general clinics. So we... Your community practice, we're located in small community areas. And so we serve your newborns, your one-year-old, your two-year-old, your kids as they go through school. And then we also make dentures for grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, your basic general practice for, for your general dentist. Nice. Okay. So then what has been your experience with different marketing companies and which strategies have proved to be the most effective for you? I own five. And so we've dealt with all a whole range of different marketing options. So that goes, I'm sure your listeners have gone through all these things as well. That goes from your SEO, from your Google AdWords, from your full service branding and marketing companies. For me, I found there's no silver bullet. So quite early on in my little startup days, someone gave me some pretty good advice. They said, you cannot be the hero to everybody. <laughs> so when I speak to younger dentists starting up clinics, I find they get really upset if even one person turns away or one person wasn't happy. They want to, They seem to want to sort of capture the whole entire little area there. They want everybody. That, that, that doesn't work. The dentist you're looking for, Paul, is not the dentist I'm looking for. It's probably not the dentist Leonardo DiCaprio is looking for. <laughs> We're all looking for a different type of dentist. So I do find in marketing, finding that sort of fits your lane and your 
what you're trying to do is probably the most helpful thing to do. But I mean, I'm happy to go around into detail to each of those different types of marketing if you'd like. Yeah, um, no. Including the year. If we get into it, when you first started your practice, your startup, your first one, number one, right? Like, what were you leaning heavily on where you were yeah. like, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep doing right now? So my, my first one is actually in the same suburb that I grew up in. So I had like strong community ties. My, my local primary school was literally, I, I serve like half of that primary school now. And I went to that primary school. So that's where I started. And I think in terms of marketing, I was leaning really heavily on that community engagement. And so my first place isn't perhaps in such a high traffic area. And so it was a lot more of me making connections with the community and that personal relationship. But also because it's not in such a high traffic area, we did spend perhaps a high percentage of our income on marketing when we first started. If you go to some of my other clinics, they're in small community shopping centers, but they're quite busy. So these shopping centers aren't like, I think in America, they, you have your malls, which is like <laughs> your big shopping centers. And then you've got your little small community ones where you'd probably go three times a week to do your local grocery shopping, go to your pharmacy and whatever it is. So a lot of my other ones are in those type of shopping centers. And you'll find with those ones, marketing isn't as important. The shopping center does the marketing for you. People walk past. And so in terms of percentage you spend, is this slightly different? And so your marketing strategy does need to change depending on your clinic, where you're located and what you're leaning on. Like you said, so before when I first started, I was leaning on me, myself, my story of, hey, I grew up here and, and now I'm back in the area. I'm giving back to the community. That's what I lay it, relied on. And as I'm growing bigger, I'm relying more on the this is our brand and this is what we do. Gotcha. And so all your five practices are, how far apart are they? Yeah. So they're all in Sydney driving the furthest one. So if you go from my furthest one to the other furthest one, you could probably go 30, 40 minutes from one to the other. Yeah. So they're all within about a 30 minute drive of each other within Sydney. Gotcha. Has that always been the goal, Thomas? Or was it more like, I just want to get this first startup done and that's it. I want to have my own thing here. And then it, it grew or how did it happen? I, it was not, it was unintentional, completely unintentional. So I started, I had this dream of being like this little dentist in a solo practice, which most dentists are. Um, and I was like, oh, in my little area where I grew up, this is nice. And I started that one. And I get it started getting really busy. And my second shop, it was, I actually um, was walking my dog and I was walking my dog to my local shopping center to pick up dinner for my, for my family. And I walked my dog there and there was just an empty shop. And I went, hey, this is kind of, this is kind of work. And then that one worked out and that went really well. And then the third one came along and, and, and someone approached me for that one. And then since then, people have just been approaching me, actually. So I actually had another shopping center approach me about two weeks ago. And I had to tell them about this because we're not in that cycle yet. But I think you find as you do well, people open up opportunities for you. As long as you're genuine, as long as you try hard and do your best, opportunities do come. Yeah. Okay, man. So then goals to have like are you looking down the future where it's like, there's going to be 10 eventually? At the moment, I've taken a kind of break on growing my dental businesses as a dentist. So that's all on cruise control at the moment. We're doing a few sort of infrastructure upgrades in my practices and making sure we do have the most up-to-date equipment. I do think that is really important. Patients, depending on what lane of patients you choose. So even for a small community clinics, no one wants to go to a dental clinic that's not nice that's not mm -hmm. clean that doesn't look modern and up to date you don't want to go see spittoons that look like they're from the 50s but that's that so i'm actually my at the moment i'm actually involved in a startup around ai and so that's where i'm spending a lot of my time around dental ai at the moment 
So we'll see how we go in terms of my dental practices, but the AI space is where it's dentistry and the whole world is, is really interesting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that right now. But you mentioned something right now, you said lane of patients. Mm. When you started out, you said, I'm going to get this specific demographic or were you kind of like, I just want anybody right now? <laughs> no, so I think that choosing your lane and how I said at the start, you can't get every patient. That's come from 10 years of experience and speaking to dentists and a new dentist and, and coaching them and things. So when I started out, I was like everyone else. I was upset if a single patient was unhappy with anything. I was like, oh no, mm. I want everybody. Everyone should be loving me. Why, why don't they like what I'm offering? But you will find your patient that wants to go to a high-end clinic that wants pure, beautiful, top-notch work, they don't want your cheaper general clinic, even if it's the same work. Some people want to pay extra to seem like they're paying extra, even for an extra hot towel or something while they're doing their treatment. Some people like that. And some people, they don't want that whole snazzy thing. They, they go in and they, it's a waste of my money. I don't want that. And I want my normal community clinic that's just sort of day to day. And I think if you try to capture both, you lose both. I think the way to do is choose your lane. I am your general clinic. I am the preventative guy. I am the cosmetic guy. I'm a high-end clinic. I'm an implant clinic, whatever it is. Choose your lane and focus on those people. And as long as you do that, you'll build your brand on I am that guy. For example, Mercedes. You think Mercedes, you think, hey, I'm going to get a good quality car. It's going to be luxurious. It's going to be really nice. You don't see Mercedes now coming up with a $10,000 car trying to get this cheaper market, right? Yeah. And all the other Mercedes buyers will be like, hey, I don't want Mercedes anymore. You guys are cheap. So I think choosing your lane and sticking to your lane and making sure all your branding and marketing sort of adhere to what you've chosen and in it's all concise and, and in line, I think that's the way to go. Definitely. Nice. Okay. And how much budget do you typically allocate for your marketing activities? So I think once again, this does depend on the clinic, right? <laughs> so I do find when I speak to a lot of different marketing agencies and just companies in general, being customizable per, for the person is really important. And so my clinic, as I was saying, that's not in such a high traffic or traffic area. As a percentage of revenue, I might spend a little bit more compared to something that's in a shopping center where I don't need to do any additional marketing because I have hundreds of people literally walking outside the front of my practice every day. But then that's obviously then counterbalanced by I pay more rent in the shopping center and in low traffic areas, I pay less rent. It does differ. I found when I opened up my very first clinic, especially to know, like no one knows, knows about me and no one walking past, you do spend a lot. You can spend up to like 20% of revenue at the start. Whereas in a shopping center, you might get a massive influx of patients and only spend 5% of, of revenue on, on marketing because you're not having to do all this additional stuff. You're literally just using your practice shop front as your big marketing tool. So yeah, mm -hmm. somewhere between there. And also obviously it depends on your phase of your business. So at the moment, like I said, I'm an, on a little bit of a cruise control. So I'm just spending enough to keep my associates happy and booked. But if you were going to grow, you'd probably spend more, you know, 10, 20% if you're going to grow. And if you're just trying to stay stable, I aim for 5 to 10% initially. Okay, okay. And then how many new patients are you currently getting like a month? Across all five clinics? Yeah. Or if you just want to mention like your first first one. Oh, my first one. I'm, I'm actually not accepting any new patients myself at, at that clinic. Oh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm too nice. busy. But my associates are. And so depending on each sort of thing, you'd, you'd still be getting 30, any between 30 to 40 patients a month. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I think the sometimes the the struggle is we when we're starting out, right? We have that certain amount of capital that we have to allocate to marketing. And then we're like, I don't want to spend on something that's not going to work 
or spend too much. For example, a marketing agency can approach you and say, hey, let's let's make this happen. Let's do this. And half of them are snakes. Half of them are snakes. <laughs> Don't listen to half of them. <laughs> exactly. So can you share with us, like, have you ever faced a situation where the promised results were not achieved with the expected time frame? Absolutely. So when I think of marketing, let's stick with digital marketing first, because <laughs> I think that's where most people spend their time on marketing. So when I think of digital marketing, there's sort of three lanes that I've gone down in the past. I've gone down straight SEO work. Now, straight SEO work, I think everyone needs to do. Having said that, with ChatGPT, I don't know what Google and Google rankings are going to be in five to 10 years. But at the moment, SEO is where it's at. So SEO is really important, I think. SEO, it costs a lot to do it right because what you're doing is you're paying someone to update your website weekly, twice a week with, with new content and making it relevant to those certain areas. But the advantage of that is your underlying digital asset of your website becomes more and more valuable. And so I'll give you an example. If you do SEO work properly, let's say you choose a suburb. Let's say Venice Beach. I don't know LA at all, but I know that's an area of LA. So let's say we choose Venice Beach and you go, I want to do SEO as a dental clinic in Venice Beach. Now, if you do it properly, it shouldn't just be dentist Venice Beach and you come higher up on Google searches. It should be anyone in this area types in wisdom tooth pain. You should then have an article on your website with wisdom tooth pain that they can read and they're like, oh, your website is now my source of dental information and that creates trust. And so if someone goes dental crown, root canal, whatever it is, and they're in that area, your, ideally your website should pick up first. And that's SEO. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And, and you might not see results for five to six months, but the underlying asset is, is invaluable. Whereas if mm-hmm. you go down like the Google AdWords side, you're paying thousands every month. There is no buildup of an underlying asset but you're getting a click every time you pay. So I think with my strategy, when I first started, there was a lot of AdWords to pump up my initial book with underlying SEO. And then as your SEO builds, you can do less and less AdWords, I find. I do find though with full service branding and marketing agencies, we dentists, we can't brand and market and keep track unless you're a particular dentist. Like I am maybe one of my whole graduating class of 100, maybe two that would sit there and actually go through all this stuff. Most dentists just want to be a dentist. (laughs) And so I think if you're a dentist and you start trying to do CRM work, SEO work yourself, it detracts from your own work. So I do think unless you're really good at it, you should pay someone to do it and then track it. So if you're using full branded agencies, they should have a CRM network laid out for you, which tells you which calls are coming in, where they're coming in from, was it from a lead from the branding agency? Was it just a natural lead? And AdWords, you can see the clicks and the conversion rates. You should definitely track all those things. And SEO, you can obviously track this with your ranking and, and different words you're searching. But my suggestion to normal dentists, as a general rule, is get an agency to monitor and track it for you. And you just look at the end results and see if they're happy with them. Okay. Have there been any ones where you're like, oh my gosh, there's no results. Like I, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. And how do you handle that? Yeah. So I had, I'll give you an example about pre-pandemic, just before pandemic, I had an agency. I used them for a year and their whole gig was, we will provide you high-end work. So they make landing pages per high-end work that you want to do. And their, their business model was mainly AdWords. So let's say implants and orthodontics, you, your listeners will know mm-hmm. that you get a lot of money from your plants and orthodontics. And so perhaps you're willing to spend a little bit more. And so the idea went, anyone in Sydney, they'd search implants. This landing page should be 
paid for. So you come up the top, you click on that so that you know this lead is coming through that landing page because this landing page has a separate input stream. And that landing page is dedicated just for the conversion of your implants or orthodontics, right? Depending on what that person searched for. And so if it comes through there, you're getting an implant and that came from that marketing agency because that lead came through this particular landing page. By the end of the year, I ended up spending just as much on AdWords and that agency as I got in revenue. And so I was doing work pretty much for free because any work I was getting, I was giving back to that agency. And this is why tracking is really important and having mechanisms in place to know where that lead came from. It wasn't a lead from my SEO work that I'd paid for previously. It was from this particular company and being able to track that. So if I use different branding agencies, I'll have different phone numbers they call through on so I can track <laughs> where it's coming from. I'll have different landing pages and websites, as well as my receptionist will know on our CRM systems, okay, this person came from this lead. And so being able to track it and then getting an ROI is pretty important. Because you'll find dentists spend thousands on stuff, don't track it, and they don't even realize they're getting nothing out of it. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. So tracking it, tracking it is like huge. Huge, huge. And most dentists don't. This is what I'm saying to you. Most dentists are dentists. They're not business people or necessarily want to sit there and track numbers. And so if you're not going to do that, get an external or a software to do it. But if you are going to do it, then set it up properly and track it. Okay, nice. And then how equipped is your team in converting calls into actual patients? So right now, pretty poor, to be honest. <laughs> we, we in Australia since COVID had some crazy staff shortage. Last year, even earlier this year, there were days where we had to close clinics. Not even because we didn't have a dentist, because I didn't have receptionist and like assistant staff, which is crazy to not open a business because you don't have a receptionist, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's where we were. It's a little bit better now, but I think once again, as long as it aligns with your practice. So if you, in terms of training them, I think a CRM sort of portal or, or system is really good for tracking because if you don't, you don't end up with a nice aggregated information you can read. So I've had clinics, I've known clinics where you know, when you sign your new patient form, it says, how did you hear about us? <laughs> I was really strong on making sure my receptionist made that person fill that thing out and then actually record it because then that feeds back on our back end on, hey, okay, we're getting patients through Google AdWords. We're not getting anything. There's this thing called Yellow Pages in Australia. We're not getting anything from Yellow Pages that stops spending money on Yellow Pages, that type of thing. So training is important. You'll find, especially if you use branding agencies, they'll train your staff for you on their CRM on, and, and how to convert patients. But that comes down to also having good staff and long-term staff. My, in my first clinic where, where I'm turning away patients for myself, they, my receptionist knows the patients almost better than I do. And so there is that long-term sort of consistency for patients is also important and also important for training. Otherwise, You'll find new staff come in, you have to train them on this CRM system on how to convert patients on all that thing, all those type of things. And you'll find you spend more time on training and more money on training than actually getting conversions and sales. So consistent <laughs> staff, well-trained staff, and your receptionist is probably the most important person in your practice. Yeah. How, how often is like turnover, would you say, in the front office for you? So I have two sort of categories of, of support staff. So I'm not talking dentists, my mm -hmm. support staff. I have my... Support staff that are my people that are going to be there for years and they're my employees. And then I have a list of sort of casuals 
which are like fill-in jobs, like only a few shifts a week. And they tend to be more uni students. So the uni students and the sort of casual in and out type of workers, they change over pretty regularly. My long-term staff, they, they stick around long-term years. I don't think I've had anyone leave for any reason other than like they're like, Something's happened in their life. They're leaving mm. the city or moving, moving states or whatever it is. Because staff is the most important asset of, of, of a company. So even big mining companies, you look at their, their, their bills, see, their HR staff is their biggest expense. Yeah. And given that even in us, even in a dental practice, staff is our biggest expense. But they're also the most important expense and also will change how your companies run from day dot and, and it makes a massive difference. You'll have two receptionists. One receptionist will bill you literally 50% more than the other one. We'll, we'll book in 50% more patients than the other one. Just because they care. They'll be nice on the phone. They won't try to shoot people off the phone. They'll, they'll try to find solutions for their patients. And mm-hmm. I say to my, my, I say to my everybody, I have one hiring policy, be a nice person. That's it. If you're a nice person, I can train you to do other things. If you're not a nice person, it doesn't work out. Everyone can read it. Yeah. Okay, man. That's nice. Yeah. The humility that the person has to have when it comes to those two support staff and then the uni students, do, do you ever think like maybe the uni students could become part of the support staff or? Yeah. 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 But for, as a general rule, those casual staff, so that my casual support staff that'll, you know, have one or two shifts a week or have like feeling when someone's sick or something like that. They generally come on with that role because this isn't their primary thing in life. They might be a uni student. They might be a mum just wanting part-time work. And, but this is not their focus. But at any point, yeah, if they're suitable and they want to, there's always opportunities for them to then move on to more of a permanent position in my little organization. Nice, man. Okay. So you talked to us about that you, everything right now is on cruise control because you're working on something with AI. What's that all about? Okay. So I'm the chief operating officer of a company called Eyes of AI. And what we do is we've partnered with the Commonwealth Industry Science Research Organization, so CSIRO. (laughs) It's Australia's government sort of science agency or research agency. And we've collaborated to come up with the world's first and most granular segmentation on cone beam CT as well as sort of pathology detection on, on all the dental x-rays. So your bite wings, your periapicals, your OPGs, and your lat surfs. So going into marketing, because I know this is a marketing podcast, the, the reason I think this is really helpful for marketing is, as I was saying, people want to go to clinics because they want to know you are up to date and what you're providing is good healthcare. Mm-hmm. And AI will only improve healthcare. Going forward, that's the whole reason it's going to be implemented. If it wasn't going to improve healthcare, it's just something a cool fancy toy. No one will use it. So what we do in our company, so other than for the diagnostics, our flagship is the segmentation of a cone beam CT. So a cone beam CT is a 3D x-ray people use for the major dental work. Mm. And we are able to segment that into 130 different anatomical structures. And then using that, you can use that to plan your treatment. So I'm assuming most of your listeners are dentists. Mm-hmm. And so as a dentist, you'll know when you perhaps do an implant or a molar root canal, you'll take a cone beam CT. And you will know that to, you take that X-ray to plan treatments. And if you're taking that X-ray to plan treatments, if you're able to segment that X-ray, you're able to first remove any noise you don't want to see. You're able to get automatic measurements. 
and you're able to get a clear 3D model of what you're working on rather than working off 2D slices, which is what we're doing. And so inevitably, AI and segmentation of comb beams and detection of pathology across all x-rays is going to save the dentist time. It's going to improve treatments and lead to better health outcomes, which is what we're aiming to do. And that's what everything is about. The last part about it is I'm really big on patient education. I think a better educated patient is more on board with treatment and that can only lead to good things. It can lead to less stress for the dentist and better treatment health outcomes. And if you have ever seen a comb beam CT and if you are not a dentist, you will look at that and go, no idea what I'm looking at. It's going to go right over my head. I'm just going to nod as the dentist tries to explain things to me. What we do is we make 3D models of that comb beam CT. And so you're able to transfer that information to the patient much clearer in a way that makes much more sense to the patient. And so not only are you going to get more conversions for your treatment, but you're also going to get more trust from the patient. But ultimately, and this is my biggest thing, you will get better patient health outcomes. You will let, make less mistakes and your treatments will be better. And that's what it's all about. Nice. Okay, so then how or why did this come out? The AI? You developing this. I guess like the AI has been there, right? So you're just like, we got to do something about this scenario because what was happening when this was okay. coming out? So I'll tell you the little inception story of this company. It's kind of yeah, a yeah. pretty cool story. So this company started with two brothers, Ba and Sen. Sen, I actually went to dental school with Sen, which is why I, how I got involved in this company. Sen is a dentist and Kwa, who is our CEO, went to his brother Sen as the dentist. Sen took his bite wings and he noticed an impacted lower right third molar that was causing caries on the lower right second molar. And the caries was really extensive and near the pulp. Sen said to his brother, hey, mate, you need to take that wisdom tooth out, do a filling, potentially a root canal. Kwa mm -hmm. turned around and went, mate, you're my brother. I don't believe you. I don't feel any pain. Nothing is wrong. Went away. Sen even showed him the x-ray. And Kwa was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Everything was good. I think about two months later, he had some crazy toothache, had to go in and had to get both those teeth emergency extraction on both of those teeth. That was the inception story. And this is why this links back to that whole patient education thing. I think in this world now going forwards, people are taking more and more control of their own information. I can almost guarantee all of your listeners, I mean, most of them are dentists, but <laughs> when they go to a doctor or a dentist, they don't actually get the x-rays themselves. In Australia, the x-rays are actually the property of the person that took them. It doesn't actually even belong to the patient, right? Because mm. it's our responsibility to keep it for X amount of years and store it and whatnot. We can't lose it because it's patient health records. This is how this company started because we saw a problem there or the, the, the founders saw a problem there. If I can't even believe my own brother and that communication between the dentist and the patient is that poor on a 2D x-ray, on a 3D x-ray, people are just nodding their heads. The other thing we found going through this and... All the non-dentists in my organization are a bit scared of dentists now. Is we found a lot of dentists are just skipping things and, and to save time on a comb beam CT, they're ignoring the rest of the comb beam CT. If you take it for an implant down your bottom right, you're not looking at the top left of the pathologies, which is to me shocking. It's unconscionable. Mm -hmm. So that with the AI, you'll, you will be able to pick up on everything. And so even though it started as a patient communication inception idea, the use cases of it apply to both the patient, the dentist, the clinic, everyone. Everyone will benefit from it. 
Yeah, sure. And so this is available now or not yet? Our business model is not necessarily to go straight to the end user, to the, to the dentist themselves. We're in discussions with a lot of OEMs and a lot of companies. Everyone we've spoken to, once they've seen our product, believes this is going to be the new standard of comb beam mm-hmm. CTs and, and 2D x-rays, but comb beam CTs in particular, because you can't have this level of segmentation and then go back to the 2D version. It's, it's like my Jared, who I work with, always says to me, he goes, it's like looking at an old UBD map that you're flipping through and then getting Google Maps and it telling you exactly what to do. Um, you, you can't go back. And so for that, we believe it will be mass adopted. And yeah, we're speaking to a lot of companies then to implement it into existing software. Gotcha. So the idea is not like to the user, like, hey guys, it's available for this much. Everybody get it. It's, it's more like, how can people get their hands on it then? Utilize one of the companies that we'll be partnering with pretty much. Mm-hmm. We'll be partnering with companies around the world and all your dental users will have heard of it heard of these companies. And so if you want to use the product, you'll have to use the company that we partner with. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Interesting, man. Yeah. Because we've heard of AI and like diagnosing, right? Pearl, Overjet, other companies like that. So they're, they're doing pretty cool stuff on that end, but this is a little bit different, right? So we do what they do as well. So they do diagnosis of 2D x-rays of pathologies, right? And so that is a a bite wing, a PA, an OPG. Hey, there is this problem here. Pretty straightforward. But if you look at 3D x-rays, people don't take cone beam CTs to find pathology. Sometimes they do. They, they'll take an OPG and go, oh, that's a little bit funny. Let's take another x-ray to, <laughs> to confirm what that is. But as the, the majority of CBCT cases are taken to perform a treatment, to do an implant, to do a root canal, to do a surgical extraction of a third molar. And so the initial inception of the, the segmentations on a comb beam is to make the use case of that comb beam easier already. So if you're taking it for an implant, we provide you information on that treatment that will make that treatment easier. So we'll provide you segmentations for all the surrounding key critical structures, the IM, the sinus. We'll provide you measurements, so the crystal bone to the iron, how much bone do you have to play with, your lingual and buckle measurements. That, that's automatic with the click of a button that you can see on a 3D model. That is different from, we're going to scan the whole extra and just point out things that might be slightly wrong, which we do anyway. And like I said, the 2D is one thing. I'm much more passionate about the 3D. If there's a bite wing and I miss it, and I'm not saying that AI doesn't diagnose better, it, my AI definitely diagnoses better than me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do miss things. But if I'm missing on that 2D x-ray, it is me making a mistake. It is me not seeing something I should have seen. But on the 3D, this is why I'm much more passionate about 3D. People don't even look for it on a 3D, on a comb beam CT, which is shocking. So that's not even a mistake. People aren't even doing it. Mm-hmm. They take it to do the implant and they'll review just the implant site and the stuff they need for the implant and ignore the rest of the image. A lot of people, not everyone. Mm-hmm. If a good dentist look at over it all, but a lot of people do. And so that's why the pathology detection on 3D and scanning through, that's where my passion lies are more. But diagnosis on all x-rays is all helpful for AI. Yeah. Okay. Are you utilizing it right now in your practice? I'm utilizing it right now? No, 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 no. Because it's not into... So I utilize it to demonstrate things, but it's not at a commercial level at the moment. So no. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So this is, this is coming out pretty soon then, huh? Yeah. 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 Whether it's us or anybody else, this will be the standard tech in the next three to five years. It's inevitable. 
like I said, I assume it's not only going to be us, but if, once you've seen it, you can't go back. It is physically impossible. It's just chalk and cheese. It's, it's color TV versus black and white TV. No, sound yeah. is black and white TV versus color TV with sound. That's yeah. literally what it is. No, man, we're excited for that, Thomas. We're excited for that. So from the process of, I guess, you doing your startup, right, to now at the point where you're at with this startup, right, where it's not a, like a building, right? It's not a practice. It's a, a AI. What are some of the biggest struggles you've encountered throughout this time? Time. For me, personally, it's time. <laughs> so I don't know one really cares about my life. The time is actually the biggest thing for me. You've been talking business struggles. It's once again time for me. Not even just time. It's the mental ability to focus on running dental practices and this AI startup, which is why my dental practices have pretty much taken a backseat. I do not know how Elon Musk does it. I do not know how you have the mental capacity to really run multiple companies and be on top of it all. It's really hard. But other than that, obviously the challenges are really different between the two. And I think the common challenge though, as I was saying before, is people. Mm -hmm. I think everything comes down to people. If you have good staff in your dental practice, you don't have to worry. So I've run this enough that I can be on cruise control in my dental practices and I can trust the staff that I have will run it really well as it's going and approach me if there's an issue that they haven't dealt with and they don't know what to do. And I'm pretty comfortable with that. And so even with Eyes of AI, I, we have such an amazing team that it makes it really easy to work. And so my one tip to anybody doing any sort of entrepreneurial or any business work, people is what makes it. You have someone good next to you, the amount of stress you receive will be half of someone that's just not good next to you. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah. Staffing, staffing and time is, is definitely the biggest thing. And surround yourself with people that have the same vision as you, drive in the same direction as you, and really lift each other up and support each other. I always liken it to a rowing boat, right? <laughs> it is the job of the person on the rowing boat that's beating that drum to make sure that everybody's rowing in the same direction and rowing to the beat of that drum, right? That is like any organization. The boat will go better if everyone rows in the same direction and rows at the same time. What you don't want to do is get staff around you that don't understand the big picture and don't strive towards that common goal. Whether it is providing patients with really good healthcare and that will build up your dental practices or doing the world's best AI that's going to take over the world with AI. You need the team to understand what they're doing, what their roles are and support each other in that team. So people is the most important. Do you ever find yourself, Thomas, like, man, I need, I need somebody to handle this, take over and do this. And you give them the the problem or the, yeah, the problem, the work. But then you kind of think about it. You're like, maybe a system could have taken care of that instead of this person. Yeah. Both. You need both. With staff, even though they're good staff, you need a system or a framework for them to work in. Mm -hmm. You can't, no matter how good people are, if you just let five people to do their thing, they're not going to come at the same point. So you've got to give everyone a system or a framework. And with technology like AI coming through, yeah, people are, people's job descriptions are going to change. What they had to do is going to change. It's unfortunately inevitable. You know, back in the day, I'm sure law firms had 100 people researching things for each of their cases. And now it's a Google search and suddenly 100 people are a job. Any new technology you should be skeptical of, but be willing to embrace. 
that goes with AI, that goes with any systems that you have, digital x-rays, PMS systems, whatever it might be. Systems generally make things more efficient and less mistakes are made. That's one of the biggest things about AI, right? That as I was saying earlier, on a 2D x-ray, if I don't pick up on something, that's a mistake. It's not, I didn't know, it's a mistake. And so systems and AI and things like that, they don't make mistakes as much. Systems yeah. are good, but even if you don't have a system in place, even if you've got people, you should have a framework for those people to work around. Yeah, I get you, man. I mean, from when ChatGPT came out, I was like, what is this stuff? And I mean, I didn't even care. Now, can't get off of it. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, AI is amazing. I'm kind of scared to see where it's going to be in five years. I'm legitimately worried and scared. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But it is interesting. So one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, Thomas, is we have a lot of young practice owners, listeners, dentists, right? And are also young in the sense of like year one to year five, maybe they're in their practice ownership process. What advice can you give us? I think first starting is be honest with yourself. I think knowing where your shortfalls are. So like I was saying, don't pretend to be a marketer if you're not. Mm -hmm. Don't pretend to be someone that is going to sit there with spreadsheets if you're not. I recently have come to love spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. But in my previous life before this startup, I didn't particularly like spreadsheets. And so to, if you know you need spreadsheets to track things, but you are not a spreadsheet person. And I would say most dentists are not spreadsheet people. Then you should be able to recognize that shortfall and pay a professional to do it. I find people don't recognize other people's skill sets enough and aren't willing to pay for that skill set enough. That'd be the first thing. The second thing I would say is choose a lane. I say this to everybody. You are not everyone's hero. You will be one type of person's hero. And so choose what type of person that is if you're starting a practice and drive your business for that target market and nothing else. Ignore everyone else. Alcohol companies, they know who their target market is. They don't target kids because they know they're not going to buy it. They don't get upset when kids don't want to buy their alcohol. So they target their audience, do the same thing. And the third thing is be genuine and nice. It goes for both patients and your staff. I find so many entrepreneurs are so up themselves that they think they can manipulate people into positioning themselves and doing what they want. Now that might work with a one-off interaction because the person doesn't know you. But if you're going to work with someone for five years, if you're going to have a returning patient for five years, that ulterior motive of I am here because of money, I am here because of what, it, it, it doesn't last. Everyone sees right through it. If you want good staff to stick with you, treat them well. Put yourself in their shoes every once in a while. Think, hey, I'm only earning this amount of money. My dentist, my boss is earning this amount of money. He makes me do all this stuff. He doesn't even say thank you. Doesn't give me a bonus. Doesn't give me anything. If you were that person, you'd be like, hey, what? this is not fair. Like this is not an even distribution of what's happening here. Be nice to your staff. Be genuine. Be nice to your patients. And that, that's probably the biggest one. Be nice and fair to everyone around you. People will come back and people will continue wanting to work with you if you're overly fair and overly nice. I think that's the best possible. Awesome. We appreciate that, Thomas. And if anyone has any questions or concerns or they just want to talk to you more, where can they find you? Eyes of AI is probably the easiest website, international website. You can either contact the support page of Eyes of AI and ask me specifically. Otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn or they can reach out to you and you're, I'm more than happy for you to give out my personal email to anyone. I'm happy to speak to everyone. I'm a friendly person. Always be nice. Yeah. Awesome, guys. So that's going to be in the show notes below. So definitely reach out to Thomas. And Thomas, 
Thank you for being with us. It's been a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Thanks for your time. Have a nice day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate you for listening. And at the same time, Thomas, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. If you want to reach out to Thomas, you can do so by going in the show notes below and clicking on his links. I know they got amazing, amazing things happening for you and your dental practice uh, coming up here pretty shortly. A lot of AI, right, uh, is going to be coming up here pretty soon. And so that's interesting. Really, really interesting. So it's good to get on the forefront of that, get it in details, get the information, but at the same time, start implementing it in your practice because you don't want to be behind the curve when it comes to that. But now, I want to pose a question to you. Wouldn't it be nice to have a practice management system that manages to blend the latest dental research, smart appointment scheduling, and hassle-free insurance claims into one seamless experience? Oryx does just that. They're an all-in-one cloud-based practice management software, and they're backed by the respected Koi Center. They have a feature that places the latest dental research and best practices at your fingertips. It empowers your team to stay on the forefront of any advancements and provide top-notch care that your patients deserve. So it's a win-win. Then they have a smart scheduling system. And this is not your run-of-the-mill appointment book. It's a powerhouse of optimization. It flexibly manages appointments, filling gaps and ensuring your team's time is efficiently utilized. And this feature also accommodates last-minute reschedules and handles cancellations effortlessly, resulting in smoother workflows and happier patients. And a happier you and a happier team as well. Oryx also has a robust insurance management system. Now this feature turns the headache of insurance claims processing into a breeze with greater accuracy and faster processing times. You'll see an uptick in accepted claims and quicker reimbursements. So imagine the positive impact this could have on your practice's financial stability and growth. Now, these aren't just isolated features. They work in harmony with Oryx, creating a comprehensive management tool that streamlines operations, enhances patient care, and improves the financial health of your practice. And here's the best part. Here's the part that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode where it could all be for free, right? Click the first link in the show notes below and schedule a free personalized demo. And if you're a startup, check out this limited time offer. Oryx won't charge you a penny until you've reached 200 active patients. That means it's free. Oryx is free until they know you are succeeding. But first, go check them out. Click the first link in the show notes below to schedule your free demo and discover how Oryx stands out in this practice management software uh, world. But at the same time, check out how their features and benefits can revolutionize your dental practice. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I truly appreciate you and I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.